Welcome to yet another episode of Method in Madness and today's guest is Eric Severson. Eric is a speaker, author, adventurer, educator and an entrepreneur. He is somebody who believes in ordinary to extraordinary and he is a living example of that. He was born in a humble middle class family in suburban of Washington but through his beliefs his vision he has achieved many and many unbelievable things from traveling to over 80 countries to all the states of United States of America to helping a company grow from 7 million to 100 million over the course of 10 years in his capacity as an international business developer he has done many such rare rare things but he also has madness he also has seen failures and he has also has bounced back and today he will share all those stories with us please help me welcome eric this is method in madness eric welcome to method in madness Thank you Sabi. I'm so glad we were introduced. I'm really excited to be here. You've got a lot of great things going on. Likewise, I'm very very excited about our chat. So what I know of you is somebody who is very dynamic, always has ideas, crazy ideas, leadership ideas, but you're also somebody who's not who's very willing to change, adapt based on situation that's going around us. Can you give us an example? Um yeah I I've always um tried to shift when I needed to and I'm glad that I did because it gave me a little bit of experience when the big shift had to happen for me in early 2020 um where uh, every cent of my income disappeared from public speaking so mm-hmm. So the back story is I left <clears throat> my position doing international business development for a company called Eagle Rider. I was with them for 12 years and mm-hmm. to to speak full time and that was in January 2020 and with my assistant we did a pretty good job building up a great schedule for 2020 until March 2020 came around and <laughs> poof everything disappeared 100% of my income lined up for 2020 disappeared. I I had already quit my job. Um my wife wasn't working at the time. So I I had to figure out what am I going to do? And Sabi, the first part kind of shocked me. I I kind of went into a little bit of a yeah. funk, almost a, a depression because I didn't know what I was what I was going to do. It, it was a stress that I didn't know of. It was a deeper level mm-hmm. of stress than I've ever felt. And so I finally had to ask myself cuz I'd been talking about overcoming fear in yeah. public speaking for years, 3 years at that point. And so I said, do I believe what I what I said? I literally went back to my notes from some speeches I had given and I asked myself, do I believe this? And the next point, do I believe this? And the answer was yes, so I thought, okay, what am I going to do? And my first book was published in 2018, and so I thought, okay, um my second book is almost done. It was 99% done sitting on a shelf for 2 years cuz i was so busy. Mm-hmm. So i finished that book up and this time for the publishing the book launch i needed to take it really seriously because money was on the line and that book did really great. That was the first book was called Ordinary to Extraordinary and the second one is called Explore and they were adventures from my life and um the idea is for how readers can find meaning points of meaning in their life. So then i thought all right books are going to work it's only going to take me 2 years to write my next high quality book and that's not going to work of course so 
I started working on uh, my first co-authored book project and I gathered 33 authors um, from around the world to write this book called The Successful Mind. And it did really, really well. And it was just this magical experience of you know, symbiotic relationship with the, the authors, tons of synergy. Um, the book did really well. The book launch being supported by all the co-authors worked out extremely well too. So that was the pivot for me. And since then, I've produced five co-authored books, all of which have made bestseller. Um, some of them have been bestseller in both the US, Canada, and the UK. And so it's been a really exciting ride now, meeting all of these interesting people and producing these books and getting great messages to readers who are desperate for quality mindset material. And the book's themes are all about either mindset, success, or performance. This is really fantastic. Are you currently writing another book? Yeah, I'm working on three right now. It's a trilogy. Wow. Um, It's actually a series. So one is called Peak Performance Mindset Tools for Business. The second is Peak Performance Mindset Tools for Entrepreneurs. And the third is Peak Performance Mindset Tools for Athletes. And so I've gathered all the authors for the business book. Um, I've gathered uh, 21 of 24 for the the um, entrepreneurs book, and I've got about five for the uh, sports book. And I've, I've, I'm going to start re- um, looking for more um, elite athletes to help write about what mindset will help athletes go to the next level. Wow. This is very inspiring to hear. Now, one of the things you said that um, really triggered me is that you are, as a speaker, you motivated so many people to be without their fear. In some way, I can say you were a problem solver. When people had a problem, they will listen to your talk, listen to your ideas, and will get inspiration to solve that problem. 2020, the problem that we were all faced with was beyond our control and capacity to manage, and yet it impacted our lives, careers, trajectories in in the most dramatic way that probably anything has impacted. How difficult is it to be a problem solver, an inspirer, a person who tells people what to do, um, and being at the receiving end of a problem that you're not able to tackle because it's way beyond our capacity to make, say, COVID nineteen disappear. Right? Yeah. How did you handle that that period? <laughs> That's a great question, Sabi. And um, we ta- we've talked before about my mountain climbing. So I, I love to climb mountains. And one of the reasons I love the challenge of mountains is because it has a lot of the same elements that business has or that entrepreneurship has, where you, you need a plan, you need to have a team, the right team, you need to have the right tools and the, the right equipment. And then, of course, you need to overcome the fear and actually make it happen. And so having climbed a lot of mountains over the last 10 years, um, when I get into a fearful position, sometimes I remind myself of what's it like when I'm near the summit of a mountain and there's a steep wall of ice that I don't know for sure. I, I wouldn't do it if I didn't know that. I, that scares me, I should say. A, a wall of ice that scares me, but I know I can, I can overcome it. And I, I put that into the business a little bit. And so when I had to... Um, change into to the books. I had that kind of experience of that. So I encourage people in business and entrepreneurs who to, to put themselves in situations where the, that make them a little bit nervous. And when we do feel fear, remind ourselves that biologically, fear is supposed to make us smarter, faster, and stronger for short periods of time. 
So if I have a big negotiation coming up with, um, when I was doing international business development, sometimes I would, it would just, just be me. I was a vice president of development. Um, it'd be me flying to Germany, for example, to meet some executives from a billion dollar company. And I'd be scared because I want this negotiation to go my way. And then I'd take a deep breath and I'd just relax. And I'd say two things. One, in the big picture, this negotiation isn't that big of a deal. And two, that when I feel that energy, that anxious energy of wanting to get what I want, um, I would remind myself, hey, these are great chemicals in me, making me faster, smarter, sharper uh, for, sh- for short periods of time. And that helped me totally relax. And the last thing I would do when I would be in an intense situation with other people, um, say I'm meeting the president of a big company, I would remind myself, you know what? This is a person no better or worse than me. It's just a human. I'm a person no better or worse than this man or woman. Um, we're all human. And reminding myself that, you know what? In the big picture, we're all on the exact same playing field. doesn't matter how much money, success, whatever is involved. We're all on the same playing field when it really comes down to it. I couldn't agree more. That's really well said. And I really resonate also with the fear part. I can tell you every time I have to go on stage and every time I have to do something new, including uh, recording a podcast, there is an anxiety, there is a fear. And somewhere I want that because that gets the best out of me, but the most creative ideas, the most uh, creative questions. And without that fear, I think I will just... Um, not feel, uh, you know, they won't have the zilf to perform. And do you feel that when you go on stage? Absolutely. I would never Mm -hmm. want to go on stage without being scared first. And when I say scared, (laughs) I do first, first, that's the, I think that's the first thing that comes is nervousness, scared nervousness. But then I I translate that. And when we're talking about public speaking, I have a technique that I have used and it kind of came by accident. My first five, $5,000 speaking engagement scared me because I'm like, I'm thinking this company is paying me a lot of money to be in front of people for an hour. Um, They expect something really big. They expect something valuable. And I started to get really scared that am I going to deliver what they expect? So the morning of that, um, I'm in the hotel room. And the the speech is pretty early. I think it was 11 a.m. So it's maybe 9.30 in the hotel room. And all of a sudden, I just decided, all right, I'm going to pray about not how I look, because I know I was going to be videotaped, not how I look on the video and how that can lead to more speaking engagements. I'm not, not how good and cool I look on the podium and articulating well. I'm going to focus on how much value can I give to these people who are in the audience? And as soon as I started thinking about my excitement to give them the things that, that I had prepared, which I, I thought were valuable, um, then, then that nervousness turned into an excitement. And so when I went up on stage, I still had a buzz in my stomach and everything, but it wasn't a dehabilitating nervousness. It was an empowering excitement. And, it re- and, and, and I use that every single time I speak now is, yeah. what can I give more than how good will I look? <laughs> understand but i i am i have to be honest that i also care how i look i'm very very particular <laughs> about <laughs> i'm i'm one of those people who will carry a travel iron uh, uh, with me so that yep. make sure my shirts are not wrinkled and every everything going wrong if i don't have the shirts and uh, out uh, my suits everything in prop well ironed uh, <laughs> no sabi that's that's being a professional because i also want to look my sharpest i have a a costume when I speak. And when I put that costume on, I become 
it's my power. Um, my costume is a, a, a shirt, a button down shirt. Um, if it's colder, it depends on the weather. I'll, I'll wear a jacket and I always wear bright red pants every single time I speak. And I do that for two reasons. One, because again, it, it's my costume. And two, when I come into a room with bright red pants on, whether it's a, a it, whether it's a, a company, whether it's a school, whether it's a um, big, big, uh, presentation or even a conference, um, people say, Hey, there's something different happening here. Yeah. This guy's got bright red pants on. And so they're suddenly more curious than they might have been earlier. And the, there's actually three reasons. The third reason is if I speak at a conference with 6,000 people, for example, and, and I, and I'm just in one session with maybe 150, 200 people, um, people aren't going to necessarily remember me, but three days later, when I'm walking near the end of the conference, People will always walk up to me and say, Hey, I saw your, I saw your speech. I wanted to come up afterwards, but you were so busy, but I, I recognize your pants. So you know, I'm glad I, I'm glad I recognize you. So it's a way for people to identify me. And it's kind of funny. I do a lot in China. I speak tons in China. Um, and not a ton of people know the name Eric Severson in China, but a ton of people in China know the guy in the red pants. <laughs> the guy in the red pants. <laughs> so when you're going to climb the mountain, uh, are we going to see pictures also in red pants in the top of the mountain? <laughs> <laughs> no, in, uh, on the mountain, I'm going to have uh, down, t- down orange pants for this next mountain coming up. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Fantastic. Um on a on a serious note, one of the things I really liked that you said when you saw that the um, the income from public speaking was difficult in the in twenty twenty with all the events being cancelled and the companies being conservative, um, you channelized your energy. Uh, it took you. You said you it did hit you hard, but it took you. You channelized your energy in writing books and successful books. Now, not everybody um, can make this transition very easily, especially because when we have a method, like I, I, one of the struggles I remember what people said is, yeah, when I felt frustrated in the past, I would go on holidays or I will go to a spa. But in 2020, even all the recreational activities were shut down that rejuvenated us. How did you get your rejuvenation to, ch- to be able to channelize your um, creativity from public speaking to writing? Yeah, for me, I was examining all possible, all, all, all possibilities. And that one seemed like it was the most, especially since I had my second book almost done and, and ready to go. Um, it was almost a stopgap situation at the start to get my second book out just to make enough money to get through. I, I was looking at it with how long into the future can I exist before I'm, I can't pay the bills. And so, I would have done anything. I'm not, I'm not above any or below any job. I would have swept. I would have gone door to door, knocking on doors, asking if I can mow lawns if I had to swept. I, and I've done this before when I've transitioned, you, when I moved to a new city, for example, um, I'll be applying for jobs to be a professor at a university while at the same time, the same day, I go down to the temporary labor service department and get temporary jobs doing things like sweeping warehouse floors, unloading trucks for Burger King. So I've done that multiple times where when I was between situations, I did whatever it took to survive. And so during this situation, I would have done anything, white collar, blue collar or other to continue to provide for my family. In the end, thank God that the books worked out really well. And I was able to really quickly transition from 100% speaking to 100% books. 
I I think that's that's sums it up. A mind that is without any fear, taboo or shame is a mind that is ready for success. And I think you are quite the living example of that. Um, I, I my podcast it called is called Method in Madness. So I of course ask people: Has there a moment been in your life that you will call madness? That somebody said or people said this is not a good idea. Or what are you doing? What are you thinking? And you did it with conviction. I have a feeling we already heard few madness stories, but you have a lot. This is still the tip of the iceberg. Um, what would be that uh, defining moment in your life that everybody told you don't do, or this is a crazy idea, but you still went ahead and thank God you did that. What is yeah, your- there? There are quite a few. Uh, the probably the biggest one is when I was uh, 19 years old. And I, I was rejected from UCLA the first time I applied. So I went to community college, continued to get straight A's. And I realized getting straight A's isn't going to get me into UCLA. So I needed to do something extraordinary. And so I decided going to Africa and seeing what it was all about would help. And so uh, everybody, my parents first said, no, I can't go. I had no money. I mowed lawns for eight months, made enough money to make it to London and hitchhiked all the way down through Europe and into Spain and boat across to Morocco. And I ended up going all the way down through Nigeria and Central Africa. And so everybody... Everybody, everybody said that was impossible. Even when I got to Morocco, people said it was impossible to cross the Sahara. Then into Algeria, they would say it was impossible to cross the Sahara without a plan. And I literally hitchhiked through the Sahara. It took seven days. And so um, that's the biggest one where everybody said it was it couldn't happen. And I made it, I did it. And in the end, I applied to UCLA after two years of getting good grades and going to Africa and got in. I I think that's one of the best madness stories I've heard so far in my podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and I think, and I still feel this is um tip of the iceberg. You, you I think you live that madness moment pretty much every day or every now and then in your life. And if I'm not wrong, that's what gives you energy, inspiration and ideas that keep you this positive person and and may help you transit from one great idea to the other. Am I right? Yeah. I, I I agree. I, I I think there's a few th- phrases like you know if you're if you're not on the edge you're taking up two space. There are a few a few things about you know being a little bit crazy. I think is a good thing. There's a difference between stupid and crazy. Um, so I, I don't th- I don't think being dangerously stupid is a is a good idea. But I do think a little bit of crazy is a great way to have a good life. Absolutely. You advise also leaders and um, often we see and and that they feel vulnerable to show that craziness, um, you know, to the team, to the members, especially in these COVID times. What would be your advice to uh, leaders of today? What would, how can they embrace this madness and uh, show vulnerability? Yeah, I think vulnerability is such a great word now. Um, When I was in Africa, Every time I'd walk into a village at dusk, <clears throat> I didn't know where I was going to sleep. I didn't know if I was going to get food. I didn't know if people were going to treat me good or bad. And it wasn't always good. It was mostly, it was great. But so the, I did realize though, <clears throat> the more vulnerable I was, the more people were willing to help me. And so sometimes when I'd get locked into a really tight negotiation and it was just stuck, we nobody was budging. I'd find a way to become vulnerable to the person I was negotiating with. I would maybe ask some suggestions with how to help my kid through an issue that my kid came to me with something where they have to help me. And once that happened, it broke down barriers. When I, when I got vulnerable with them, it broke down barriers. 
And the negotiation somehow magically seemed to go well. And it doesn't mean that I got everything I wanted, but it did mean that the negotiation went harmoniously and there, there was always a solution that worked out. Whereas before it was, I'm stuck, you're stuck, nothing's going to happen. And so I, I really like that. And um, also leadership, I think people are waking up to the idea that we can't be leaders in a corner office with the doors shut anymore, demanding that people do things for us. I think leadership is now about getting to know our employees, our frontline employees, becoming friends with them, complimenting them, giving them support, and also correction. We, you know, employees need correction too. But I think giving three compliments for every one criticism is a pretty good ratio to keep people interested. And of course, Simon Sinek, start with why. There are a lot of good things going on in leadership right now. But I think one of them is engaging with our employees, not treating them as just somebody who has to do tasks for us. I, I love this beautifully uh, example that you give. One compliment for three criticism uh, you make. I don't think a lot of leaders adhere to that, but that's something um, I think if any leaders listening and want plan to do the end of your review, this is an advice. Please take it from Eric and use it. And I'm sure it's going to be a great mantra for success. Eric, my last question to you. What is your next madness going to be like? Okay. So this is coming up in January 6th. I'm flying down to Chile and then Argentina to try and climb Mount Aconcagua. It's a 23,000 foot mountain. So I'll be 20 days on the mountain in a tent for most of that. And uh, so knock on wood that I can handle the altitude and that the storms stay away for our peak attempt. So that's, that's, kind of the most insane thing. I'm going to be spending a month in South America trying to climb a high, a high rock, basically. <laughs> wow. And, and, and there's, of course, not going to be much of internet facilities, uh, hotels. You're going to be in tents, I guess. Yeah, Back I'll, to be, nature. I'll be absolutely MIA from about January 13th through January 26th. Wow. I I wish you all the best. And once you're back, I'm going to um, call you again for the podcast to hear that madness, how that went. Uh, and I'm sure there'll be a lot of great stories, a lot of amazing learnings from that story as well. Eric, it's been a pleasure chatting with you. Thank you for being so candid, so vulnerable in sharing your uh, story, your journey, your uh, adversities, and of course, your madness. It's been a true honor talking to you. Thank you for your time. Really appreciate. Thank you so much. Thank, thank you, Savvy. I really appreciate being on your show. You've got so many wonderful things happening. You're such a skilled speaker. You're definitely one of the best. And so I look forward to continuing the relationship. And if anybody, I do believe in connections. If anybody wants to connect with me, the easiest way is my website, eric at ericseverson.com. Um, direct emails, happy to get them from the website. Um, so thank you very much for having me on the show, Savvy. Thank you so much, Eric. And that was yet another madness story from Method in Madness. Stay tuned because there's more madness coming up in the next episodes. And I will be back with more methods, more madness, and make sure that your 2021 ends with way more madness. See you.